Mm, podcast name played nobody. Shortened, concise, breaking news edition. Bill, let's just go ahead and tell everybody up front this is going to be a shorter episode. However, what are we going to give the people? What are we going to give the loyal, the PAPN army? If we were a morning, if we were a morning zoo crew, we'd have a crazy nickname for our listeners. What are we going to give? What are we going to give the zoo crew? Zoo crew. That's a, in exchange for a shorter episode. A, that's that's a, I don't know. Missouri, it's just what's like stupid radio people. That's a Missouri fan base name. Like you're in the doghouse. Oh, okay. Um. Oh, that reminds me. I need to ask you about something uh, afterwards about Missouri. Um, okay. It just makes sense. Um, sure. What are we going to give the people, Bill? For suffering this short episode today. The Pappiners. Um, we are going to give you a special present, a bonus podcast tomorrow. So you really, you're getting the same amount of us, whether you like it or not. You're getting the same amount of us this week. It's just in two little slices. So, uh, and hopefully, hopefully you don't start to like that and, and request that in the future because we just want to do big 90-minute lumps again after this. But... Yes, you will get two podcasts this what? week. What? Two podcasts? Probably add up to about the same amount of talking uh, that you normally get. Maybe Shh, even more. Don't tell them that. Don't tell them that. It's and like this is all assuming that we actually stay relatively disciplined and don't go an hour and a half. This right is like now. when you order a beer in a com- in a commemorative cup at a, like a sporting event, and it's three or four dollars more, but then you actually realize it's the same volume of beer. So that's what we're doing. So shut up, Bill. Um. Okay, so tomorrow, Bill, we're going to have a special podcast dedicated to the project that the entire SB Nation staff has been working on for quite a long time. It's uh, What yeah. can we say about it? It's interactive. Um, it's, there's a lot. That's there's a lot of stuff. It. If you're a fan of a team, you're probably maybe involved in this in terms of like your rooting interests. Um it's definitely worth checking out. We'll have a podcast that accompanies it. I think Shutdown Fullcast has a podcast that accompanies it as well. Um, it's really cool. We're really proud of it. I'm very proud of the whole staff. Um, Jason Kirk was the maestro on this, and it took a long time. So um, in uh, because of that, we're going to condense everything this week. So, Bill, before we talk Ole Miss, let's talk about everything else. Where are you at on previews? <laughs> Uh, all right, so I just had Louisville go up today. I will have Florida State go up tomorrow and Clemson the next day, and I will be done with the ACC. I will be done with nine of ten conferences. Um, and the Husky Hardy cul-de-sac of the ACC neighborhood, the, the robust big boy part of the hood. Sure, okay. Um, no, if you does remember last it. week's episode. Yeah. My whole, like, the middle class is what's bringing this conference up thing. We started to look at it, and we were like, mm, maybe not this year. Well, yeah, question no, marks this, year, this year is going to be pretty tricky in, in that regard. They, they, there right. are a lot of really, really interesting pieces to replace um, in, throughout the conference. But still, Clemson's going to be a top-10 team. Mm-hmm. Florida State's going to be a top-5 team. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it's really, 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 really interesting. Because, number one, uh, you know, my Louisville priest went up today. Louisville has all the same strengths and potentially all the same weaknesses that they had last year. Uh, when they, if you remember, it's hard to remember this now. They started nine and one and and uh, got to third in the polls before um, getting Ed Oliver, basically, and and falling into a funk after that. But they, they I mean, they've got a relatively new receiving core, but I, I like the guys who will be targeted more, so I'm not too particularly worried about that. But their offensive line is still a giant mystery to me. 
and they're, you know, the, the one thing that's different about them is their deep. I don't trust their defense as much. Uh, as weird as it became to trust Todd Grantham, um, I mean, he had three, all three of his uh, Louisville defenses ranked 21st or better in defensive S&P plus. Um, switching defenses at this point and going basically for a recruiter. That that was the other weird part about this is he, Petrino, you can kind of not blame him for wanting to raise his recruiting game a little bit because he's in a division with, uh, with Clemson and Florida state divisions are very stupid. Uh, but he went with um, uh, 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 Peter Sermon from Mississippi state, well-regarded as a recruiter, but his first year as an actual defensive coordinator was last year, at Mississippi state, Mississippi state's defense wasn't very good last year. So he's got a lot to prove. Uh, they're moving from a 3-4 to a 4-3 approximately. And so that's a little bit of a mystery. They still have Lamar Jackson. They still have a bunch of really, really big, fast guys at running back and receiver. And that's going to be enough to get them to at least eight or nine wins. What happens after that, I'm not sure. That was, that was fast. Yeah. Well, you know, it's abbreviated here. Yeah, I'm impressed. I'm, um, I'm trying to stick to that. Oh, and then, hey, Miami. Yeah. Yeah, the team that I honestly, like, there's so much going on with the, with the Miami and their fan base and everything else. I love talking about Miami and not just because their defensive coordinator is the sing, is the one coach who has ever guest hosted a PAPN, but the, the psychological impact of the Florida state Miami rivalry is amazing. Like for three straight years now, like that Miami has entered uh, the Florida state game one way and then turned around and, and, and had the season go completely in a different direction afterwards. Back in 2013, they got up to seventh in the polls, uh, which was probably a little inflated, but they were good. Uh, and then they lose 41-14 to the, to the FSU team that goes on to win the national title. Uh, and then they get blown out the next two weeks as well. And the season completely is redefined by not only losing to Florida State, but not being able to rebound from it. 2014, 2014 was I had to kind of cram square peg round hole. They, got, they lost by four to Florida State, and then turned around and played pretty well against Virginia Tech, and then lost 300 to nothing or whatever against Clemson, and Al Golden got fired. Last year, uh, they, I think, started, they, they started very well. I think three and, yeah, they were, they were four and oh, actually, and then they lose to Florida State. Uh, you know, they blow a lead, they miss a PAT with a minute left, they lose by one, uh, and then they lose the next three games as well. So it's, it really is just this continuous thing where the two challenges for Miami in any, any given season are uh, beat Florida State, and when that doesn't happen, actually rebound in a timely fashion because they, they lose track of their goals. They, all their other goals fall apart when they, when they fail to rebound, and they fail to rebound every single year. So that's really interesting dynamic. And then when I point this out on Twitter, I get yelled at by a bunch of, by a bunch of Miami fans, get called a nerd by a bunch of Miami fans, uh, and that's fun too. Miami fans, always fun. Always fun. Um, all right, Bill. Where are we going to be next week in terms of previews? Uh, as you would so politely put it, the ass end of the, set, the, of the SEC, a.k.a. the SEC East. Um, the order of previews. I don't completely know when, what the days are here. Uh, that's still yet to be determined. They might, we might take Friday off. They might start on Monday, whatever. Uh, South Carolina will be first then Vanderbilt, then Missouri, then Georgia, then Kentucky. Because <laughs> those, in terms of S&P Plus, those were the five worst teams in the SEC last year, all in the East. Um, I, we have talked about it before. I will talk about it again when I'm previewing. I think the entire SEC East is going to be 
a lot better this year because all five of those teams I just mentioned return almost everybody. And uh, I think it'll be a very dramatically different. But regardless, we're starting with the SEC East. Are you gonna Are you gonna come in and, and say bad stuff about this whole like I think because I've been kind of saying this around the around the office so to speak for the past couple of months that Vanderbilt is gonna be good. And and every time I do I, that, you have a little flippant quote. Are you gonna? Yeah. Are, yeah. So are I, you are you starting the ass in with a Vanderbilt? Be honest. Uh Right now, if I, if I had to guess what my power rankings are going to be, I don't do it in advance, but if I had to guess on what my power rankings will be, I will probably have Vanderbilt 14th, yes. Really? But, over Kentucky? Well, I think Kentucky's going to be rock solid, yeah. Uh, over Kentucky, over, uh, well, not over, uh, but yeah, but I mean, Missouri, South Carolina. There's plenty of competition for 14th. But right now, I think I trust them a little bit less. See how it is. Uh, but here's the, here's the thing, though. This year, the ass end, so to speak, doesn't mean like you're 100th in the country. Um, That's true. So, like, the worst team in the, in, in the SEC this year will probably go about 4-8 and eight or 5-7. and seven. We done put risers in the basement. <laughs> so, yeah, Virginia, all of these teams could end up anywhere between about 4-8 and eight and 8-4. Eight and four. It's just which, which one do I trust the least. And right all right, now, Bill. All right, Bill. Ready for the transition? Speaking of the bottom of the SEC. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So here's how we're going to do this whole Miss thing. I have done one story this week that sort of, I would say, we throw around different words for these instances in college football. Some would say eulogize. I definitely don't think that's the right word. I would go more with autopsy um, of the Hugh Freeze era <laughs> at Ole Miss. Cause of death, something like that. Um. I've done a litany of radio more than I wanted to do, but a problem is when you have friends in the industry, everyone's, hey, man, please come talk on my show. Da, da, da. When in actuality, as I originally said, and let me see, I'll start here. This podcast is sometimes harmful to my professional health in that I lose track of the idea that you and I are not talking to one another and that we're talking to a large audience of people, um, especially – in the Southeastern Conference. So a couple weeks ago, I had said something to the effect of the, and in a very joking, I want to say it was in like the last five minutes of a podcast where you and I are kind of punchy and we're finding a way to wrap the show up. The things were going to get weirder in Oxford as it related to everything going on with Ole Miss, you freeze the NCAA investigation. Now this was before any escort, anything had been publicly um, announced. So, because I said that, it got out on Ole Miss message boards and Mississippi State message boards and as well as little pockets of Twitter here and there. I started getting text messages. I started getting weird DMs on Twitter. I keep my DMs open on Twitter for people to provide news tips, news tips ostensibly because I am a news reporter for SB Nation. I wear a lot of hats, as we all do at this company, but the hat I wear the most often is that of whatever we consider to be a traditional reporter. This was a mistake on my part, mainly because I also said that I was writing a story, which I still am. It is sizable. Um, it is taking a very long time to come together. It addresses Hugh Freeze, and it addresses what happened last week, but it is very, very much more than that, outsized to a degree. And just on cue, my phone goes off as we're recording. Um, it's been a very long and aggressive um, process, essentially. It, it's, it's a lot of work. I don't know how else to say it. Um, the target has moved several times. The the people that are involved, the sources, the information gathering, and all that. 
Um, it's an ongoing in- NCA investigation into Ole Miss, and so because of that, it's been it's been like riding a, a very choppy wave. The story's still coming out. Still have the hundred and ten percent support of our editorial structure at SB Nation. There are still some things I won't touch on um, because of that, and because I have to go in front of the primary sources involved and finalize things here in the next I don't know week week couple weeks. Um, it has sucked my life away because I do this podcast. And I do odds and ends and things like that, but it's what I've been devoted to for the last month and change especially um, because I find it fascinating. People might think it's because it's my alma mater. Um, I really don't care about that at all. It's more that I have a, a outsized amount of access to Ole Miss and to the state of Mississippi and to even Mississippi State. And our goal at SB Nation is always to be, you know, at least when it comes to news reporting, as honest and as aggressive as possible in terms of showing what the NCAA culture, the SEC culture, the student athlete culture is like. Um, and so this this news story has afforded me the best opportunity um, at this time to tell that story. So here's what we're going to do, Bill. You can okay. just ask me. I need you to steer the ship. We're going to switch hats for a second. Um Whereas I, I lobby softballs and you can break down the, the analytics and the specifics on a particular team or time in history or whatever. You ask me about this situation and then we can just kind of go from there because every radio spot I've done is different. Every I haven't done any podcasts on it yet. I've turned down a couple a couple. Um, you know, I've it's funny, never, ever, ever like never visit message boards, never Never check what they're saying about you on Twitter. I know there's a ton of conjecture out there right now because I'm an alumnus of one of the schools that's involved in this NCAA mess. It's become it's become weird uh, to the point that I will share this, and this was the weirdest thing. Um, if you ever see me in public or Bill, come say hi. Okay, you cool with that, Bill? Ah, uh, I guess. Okay, I you guess. you are uh, you are more. socially inward than I am. Is that fair to say? I think that's very fair to say, yes. Okay. But no, but but come up and say hi. I just, uh, you know, you know, whatever. Come say hi. All right, well, that unease that you hear in Bill's voice is actually echoed in my in my actual personal self. I have the ability to operate as, like, a more social, I don't know, entity? Um... Because I have to be as a reporter. I go out and do things socially. Okay, so to that end, I'm sitting in a park the other day with, with my son. And a guy, my, my son who's almost three, we're having some popsicles. We're having a good time. We're talking about life. Um, I asked him what he wants to be when he grows up. He said a dinosaur. I feel like that's a pretty strong career goal. A guy walks up and says, hey, are you Stephen Godfrey? Um, this happens periodically, usually related to sporting events or something like that, or like at a wedding reception or something like that. If they're a sports fan and that's great, that's cool. If you listen to this show and you ever see me, I'm pretty easy to spot. I'm six foot five. Like come say hi. If I'm sitting in a park in the middle of, of downtown Nashville, it's a little weird. Um, and so he comes up and says, Hey, are you Stephen Godfrey or whatever? And I was like, yep. And I mean, I'm thinking like maybe it's a neighbor or something, or maybe it's a husband of a wife that of you know my my wife is friends with because she's like a thousand times more social than I am. He just says, "Hey man, I'm looking forward to your next story," and walks away. And I was like, "That was unsettling. <laughs> that was creepy." Um, I do have a story to to compare. Give, give uh, the kids. The five-year-old is riding her bike the other day. Um, 
and I'm, you know, probably yelling at her because she's really, really lazy about it. But um, a guy coming the opposite direction on his bike, uh, he rides by and says, oh, Bill C., SB Nation, and keeps riding. And I said, uh, yeah. And it was right after the commissioner thing went up. Was this, was this in your front yard? No, this was, I mean, it was near our house, but it was on just kind of the main thoroughfare street that goes through there. Um, so here's, so the deal, like, here's the deal. If you're, if you're in this situation, the best way to, the best, what, here's what you do. Just say, hi, my name is blank. I listen to the podcast. I read your stuff. I know you through so-and-so. I am a fan of blank. Because usually if you tell me you're a fan of a particular team, well, I'll just start talking about your team. Because you yeah. that's, that's the passion that brought you to the product that we create. And you guys are the reasons I'm able to pay my mortgage. And I, I want to remain as totally um, like earnest about that with, with y'all as possible. But that inter- that interchange <laughs> was unsettling. And so... Uh, that brings us to the Ole Miss situation. It's what I've been eating and sleeping and breathing the NCAA stuff for the past a while um, to the point where I have, like, major features on other teams for our season preview that I just haven't done yet. Um, Bill, where do we want to go with this? So I want to start – okay, so we're going to assume that everybody – who is listening to this podcast knows the basics of what happened last Thursday. And that is that Hugh Freeze got fired. It had something to do with uh, phone calls they shouldn't have been making. And now they have an interim coach and, and what is hopefully the most doesn't give a crap team in the country when it comes to tactics okay. and everything okay. else. Okay. I got a couple, I got so a quick we'll list. Start there. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so let's okay. just work really fast. Um, the, the, the give a, the give a blank is as strong as you think it is. Phil Longo comes from Sam Houston state offensively. They are going to, they were already going to have fun with, with their predicament. They're going to go wide open now and do as much stuff in, in as dynamic a way as possible as Shea Patterson. So look out for that. Have fun. They have a pretty decent receiving core now. They don't have like a Laquan Treadwell, you know, head and shoulders number one, but they have, they have talent at receiver. Um, the line is good too. So I'm sipping my Pensacola here. Um, the, you'll, you can expect very much in a rubbernecking type of way to flip by an Ole Miss game. They're going to be giving good teams fits. They're not going to have a great season. I think they're probably going to float around 500. I'd say right now off the top of my head, I'd say five and seven. Um, but they're not a bad team. I don't think this is going to be a John L. Smith situation. Um, with Arkansas in that the team quits. Now, here's what can make the team quit. Anything involving a a heavy hammer from the NCAA because Committee on Infractions for Ole Miss is going to meet either the, the middle of September or the middle of October in Mississippi um, at an undisclosed location to hear the cases, uh, both Ole Miss's and the NCAA's, as well as the involvement of the other lawyers representing coaches, now current and former, with Ole Miss. So, for example, Chris Kiffin, who's now the defensive coordinator at Florida Atlantic, or Hugh Freeze, who's now unemployed. Um, if there's a situation in which the levy breaks on them, then I think that's going to change the football product that you see. If everything remains roughly the same, I think they're going to be competitive and fun to watch. Um, so I've been asked point blank. I was on ESPN Radio, one of the national shows on Friday. Was the Were the calls to the... Uh, escort services related to recruiting in that 
they were they what they were trying to say is was it any way related to it, like a recruiting inducement, something that involves student athletes or prospective essays. Um, I've started saying essay because I've read so much legal stuff. Wow, student yeah, student athlete, yeah, that's just this man. I've been I have five, I have five big binders. I don't know how lawyers do it, man. It's exhausting. Um, the answer is according to Ole Miss. Multiple sources inside of Ole Miss, absolutely not. Now, why is that a point in which we pause? Here's why it's a point in which we pause. Ole Miss and the structure of the apparatus of Hugh Freeze was involved in the misinformation campaign way back when on the number of uh, violations. Uh, I wrote a story saying that people inside the program didn't believe that it was going to be that strong. ended up being stronger. I will... I'm close to talking about the timeline there and who was doing the deceiving, who didn't know what was going on. So I kind of put a pin on that. Um, you can choose to believe Ole Miss. You can choose to believe me as a reporter. Um, you can choose to believe that I am part of some vast conspiracy from the Rebels. Um, that's cool. I really wish if, that if I was involved in a vast conspiracy from Ole Miss that they would pay me some money. Um, I have a pretty sizable mortgage in the middle of Nashville and two kids. So if I'm part of a conspiracy for profit, it sucks. Just FYI. Um, you got to pay me better, Ole Miss. If you just choose to believe me here, um, Hugh Freeze was contacting um, escort services in a pattern. A pattern was the word that was used at the press conference. And what pattern actually means is it was just happening in the same time and the same places in particular years. Um, the Ole Miss is emphatic privately that it has absolutely nothing to do with recruits and emphatic that it has no, it, it doesn't have a tail on it. Um, I think the tail that could develop out of it, however, is his general behavior in the Oxford and, and Mississippi community. Again, I don't think it's related to student athletes or prospective student athletes or recruiting. I think it's related just more to who he is and the character that he was and the character he had or didn't have. Um, so that will trickle out. It probably won't trickle out nationally. I don't think uh, – maybe not. I mean it depends on people's levels of, of interest in this kind of stuff. It's certainly – it's a prurient matter. It's something that's salacious, and, and that stuff is interesting. So maybe it does still stay national. Um, it's not what I'm working on. Um, people ask, is this, did it surprise you? No, it did not surprise me. Um, it's, it's pretty commonplace in coaching that guys cheat on their wives. It is. That's not a condemnation or a defense. It's just it's it's just something I know. It's just something that's common. Um, I've never done a character hit piece on anybody in terms of that regard. And people say, well, what about the Bobby Petrino situation? Petrino's situation to me was less that I think people cared, didn't care about him cheating on his wife. They cared about him cheating on his wife with a former student athlete who was employed underneath him in the structure at a public university. And then he also actively worked to hide information. Um, so freeze is always guilty. Always the lies. It's always the cover-up. Exactly. So um, there's, a, there's a different type of flavor to, to what Freeze did. It's definitely not a one-to-one -one comparison with Petrino. But the other things that Freeze did are going to come to light later. Um, where do you want to go from here? <laughs> okay. So from there, from, uh, building off of what you said, what has been something other than the, I guess, the, I mean, the recruiting thing is the major piece. But have there yep. been other pieces of kind of the national level rumblings or reporting or whatever that you do not think is correct or has taken things in the wrong direction? Has there been anything else? Oh, Bill, you're asking, okay, 
Well, I got a pass on that one. Um, <laughs> here's what I'll say about Ole Miss. Um, this is what I'll say to Ole Miss, especially, and and I would say this to, to people who actively dislike Ole Miss, either for political, personal reasons, like like the the old liberal journalist sort of archetype, or just the old like sports reasons. You know, you're a Mississippi State fan or LSU fan or something like that. They make it easy on you. They really do. It's not a culture in which you have to come away and think about why you hate them. Um, and that has that feeds into the narrative, both both professional public and just public public. And I, I don't necessarily even blame. There are people out in the media who actively hold a grudge against Ole Miss, and there are people, obviously fan bases, that are going to be very vocal in their criticism of Ole Miss. And if, you know, even when it's right or wrong, it doesn't matter. That's every team in some degree in college sports. Look at Notre Dame. Look at Penn State. Look at, I mean, you name it. There's pretty much wherever you find, you know, college programs that get a lot of attention, you're going to find a lot of resentment. That's the passion of this sport. Ole Miss as a culture almost dares people not to like it. And Ole Miss attracts a certain type of person to it. There's really two buckets of Ole Miss fans that I've encountered. And I went to the college in 1999. I graduated in uh, like 2004, I think. I think technically my degree says 2004. I was kicked out of Ole Miss twice, and I went there because I got a scholarship. I lived in Mississippi for two years when I when I went to Ole Miss. That's the only reason why. Um, and that's the truth. But there are two buckets of Ole Miss fans. There are people that are that would grow up just like let's say Bill you let's say you grew up in Jeff City, Missouri, and you grew up and your dad went to Missouri and you wanted to go to Missouri and Missouri was the team that you got in the car and went and saw on Saturdays. Technically uh, that is a little bit true, by the way. My dad got his PhD here and the first two college games I ever saw were at Missouri. But go ahead. So you can be that kind of Ole Miss fan. You can have grown up in maybe the Mississippi Delta or Jackson or Biloxi or Memphis or even outside of the state, and that's where your natural tie. Those people sort of build and fortify the structure of Ole Miss. They can be good people. They can be bad people. They can be normal college football fans. They can be eccentric weirdos. That's the same as any other pot. I think the other the other bucket of Ole Miss fan is this new weird culture of people who – pick it because of the the quiet closed door conservative erection that it creates <laughs> politically <laughs> i think it's become a country club for kids in atlanta and dallas and houston who can't get into the the premier state schools because of various reasons so like in atlanta this is a huge problem for Ole miss they get the kids who don't have strong enough grades because of Hope, the Hope Scholarship in Atlanta to get into UGA, which has a very similar culture. Athens and Oxford are a lot alike. Athens is just a little bigger. Um, and so they come to Ole Miss, but they come to Ole Miss, you know, why, why skip the other schools in the area? Why not go to South Carolina? Why not go to Auburn or whatever? It's because Ole Miss is this cool, preppy, Old South, Magnolia draw, bull S, sorry, earmuffs for our family listeners. Like, that's something that it's always attracted people to it. And so that problem feeds into itself. So whenever you have an incident at Ole Miss on campus that's racial or anything that is just in poor taste that may not even make national news, nine times out of ten, Bill, 99 times out of 100, you trace it to an out-of-state student. 
you trace it to someone who does not have <laughs> yeah, a natural connection. I remember connection. you mentioning that before, yeah. I mean, literally, it's, it, it's happened since I went to college there. It's always been, it's just been a thing. So, that's a huge caveat. I want to say that up front because I lived in Mississippi before I went to Ole Miss. I didn't know that I was going to be a rebel, and I didn't know about the culture. and I didn't even rush a fraternity there, and so I get it. I do. Um, this is not me trying to qualify or get credentials or anything like that. I get why people come to Ole Miss and roll their eyes. Now, let's combine that with this. So you have you have a fan base that's being largely made up of in recent years by people who aren't the greatest people in the world, just to be totally honest with you. I think Q Freeze rubbed a hundred reporters the wrong way for about five years. Um, <laughs> there are media members who have a predilection against Ole Miss. Is it fair? Probably not. They have a perception of Ole Miss that no matter what the university does in a progressive manner, in a modern manner, any innovation, any breakthrough, any reconciliation in the checkered past does not matter. They will not listen to minorities who go to Ole Miss who, who try and tell people, hey, things are different or they're changing. It's a, I would say it's still a very much change in progress. Yes, that does exist. However, when you're a media member with, with, with a distaste for Ole Miss naturally and you run across Hugh Freeze, things aren't going to go well because Freeze was at all times naive to the culture in which Ole Miss operated and that he didn't quite get the perception nationally. He didn't quite get the hill that they had to climb. He thought he could win football games and be a dramatic sort of larger-than-life version of a part of himself. Obviously, we know now a part of himself, not his whole person, his whole being. Because let me get in this ditch real fast. There are plenty of coaches I know who are not faithful to their wives. And there are plenty of coaches I know who like to have a bunch of beer or go out and do maybe maybe even more than that. And that's totally fine. I don't care one way or the other. However, they also don't get up and cite scripture, chapter, and verse ad nauseum. They don't use it in recruiting. They don't use it in the branding of a public university. And they don't make it a basically mandatory facet of their football program. That alone pissed people off from jump. Okay? That alone was enough for some people. When you take the religious stuff away, Bill, I think on a personal one-to-one level, and I'll, I, this I'll go ahead and say, we at SB Nation had an incident with Hugh Freeze back in January. So, you, And this, is, this sits on the website. It's not like I'm really telling tales out of school, but we had had a quote from a recruit that was still committed to Ole Miss going into the 2017 class. Bud Elliott, our head of recruiting, uh, used to run our Florida State blog, one of the best recruiting writers in the country, was at an event in Texas. I think it was All-American in San Antonio. Got a quote from a kid who had talked about Hugh Freeze comparing the struggles Ole Miss was going through with the NCAA to that of a biblical struggle, and I cannot remember if it was New Testament Jesus-oriented if it was something one of the apostles. I don't remember. You can look it up if you so choose. We ran the quote. Uh, our, our staff writer, Morgan Moriarty, ran the, ran the quote. So she was assigned to the news desk that night. This has a point. Stay with me. And it was a little news hit, Bill, like we do. Maybe 200, 300 words. It goes up on our site. I started getting phone calls that night from, from Ole Miss. I want to say this was late December or early January. But it was to the point where I thought someone had died. I did not understand what was going on. It was one of those nights, it was a night in which I was walking my dog. I just remember I was walking my dog late after the kids were asleep and I started getting phone call, phone call, phone call. And one of the lackeys for freeze had said to me, hey, coach is really upset with you guys. 
And I said, okay, well, what happened? Because it's not like, Bill, I'm sure you run into this. We don't know everything that goes on the side all the time. It's a living, <laughs> breathing mechanism, and I was off work. I had dinner with my wife. I was going to watch a movie. Like, I don't know what's going on. I didn't know that Morgan wrote up something. I don't, I don't, it's not like I know what Bud's doing every second. So they tell me what's wrong. Who's this Morgan? Actually, by the way, I'll jump in and just say that we should all know, we all know what Bud's doing every second because he schedules his day out by the minute. He sure, I mean, man, if a man is ever, I mean, if a man is ever adherent to a GCAL, it is Bud Elliott. But anyway, sorry. So I get a call from Ole Miss. Coach Freeze is really mad. He's really frustrated about this thing that you guys did. I said, well, what did it, what's he mad about? What happened? And they said, well, there's this inaccurate quote from this reporter, Morgan Moriarty, from from this Army All-American game. I was like, all right, well, and then right away I knew that Morgan wasn't in San Antonio. She was just working the desk that night. So I jump into our work slack, and I start talking to people and trying to figure out what happened. Eventually I ping Bud, who was at dinner with some people, and I say, hey, Bud, what's going on? How I was like, "Did was any part of that quote clipped or rounded off? Because sometimes we have to do that for, like, brevity. Obviously when people speak and you write out the quotes, it looks different. So people clean it up. He said, I left in every um and every comma and every transition that I made. Do you want the audio? And I was like, oh, man. So I call, I call Miss back. And I said, the kid said this. So it's between y'all and the kid. And they said, can you not do something about this? And I said, there's nothing to do about this. Then, as I'm talking to someone from Ole Miss, I get a text from Hugh Freeze saying that this is inaccurate. I then tell the old Miss person, Freezes, Freezes hit me up on the same phone line, what's going on here, da-da-da. Then Freeze is telling me, this kid misspoke. And I did not agree with that, I'll say that, all right? <laughs> um, in fact, as I, and, and I, this is impromptu live as we record this. I'm going to try and scroll back and see if I can find the text messages specifically. Um, Freeze, what had happened was that Freeze had done exactly what this kid had said. And this kid did not know any better not to say anything. Because these kids are not like, they're, they're, they're not experts at how the media works. They're 18, 17 years old. I mean, I, I'm one of those people, I kind of understand the situation when people say, hey, they need, they need an SID around or they need someone to help. I, I get it. I do. Um, and as I'm scrolling, I'm kind of stalling here. I don't know if I still have the text messages or not. They're buried somewhere. But uh, here we go. I got them. Um... Uh, so the kid's name was Shevin uh, Calloway. Um, what Freeze did was make the, call the kid, tell the kid that you misspoke. He said this to the kid, and then to retract the statement. The kid texts us, and those those text messages I don't have. And then I get a voicemail from him basically, uh, Mr. Godfrey, my name is Shevin Calloway. Da, da, da. I can't remember where the high school the kid played at. I just wanted to clarify my statement, da, da, da. and I'm like, whoa, I was like, I, first, I didn't write anything, I'm off, probably three glasses of wine deep, leave me alone, um, I tell Bud, I tell Morgan, I listen to the audio, the audio is clean, like, Bud took a quote, he wrote it down, Morgan used it in a story, I don't care, so we win, right? Freeze is pissed because the the flack that circulates nationally from our post is that Freeze is comparing himself to Christ to illustrate problems with the NCAA. Well, guess what? Which he is. Guess what? He did. He did. Now, rather than call me up, and this is any coach, not again, I can say this. I never really had any affinity for Hugh Freeze. Still don't. Don't care. That's fine. It's not my job to like you. 
I have coaches that I have professional access relationships with, and then and then inside that group, Bill, I have some of those coaches I don't even like. This is how this works. I have coaches I really like that I've that I've crapped on before in public because that's my job. Fans on the internet always want to look at your degree and think that there's some sort of biased conspiracy. I think the truth is that 90% of the media that covered Hugh Freeze was driven nuts by him over stupid ticky-tack crap like this. So we ran it. Um, and then this is these are, the, these are the texts I can find. I said, Shevin called me. I put him in touch with our reporter at Under Armour. So it was Under Armour. I don't know what that is. Uh, so put, put him in touch with our reporter at Under Armour who got the original quote. The reporter will contact him shortly. Hugh Freeze texts me back and he says, I appreciate the effort to get an accurate story. I hope they get connected. And then that was the moment. Now keep in mind, I've been working on a story about Ole Miss, how they operate, NCAA, how they operate, how other rival schools operate in this NCAA investigation. And I haven't, at this point, I don't know if he's aware of this. I don't care but I'm also maintaining diplomacy as a reporter. And at this point, I just get pissed off. And I say, my hands are tied in terms of a retraction. There won't be one because the kid said it verbatim. I said, however, I'll, I said, I asked our recruiting writer to let Shevin, I think his name is Shevin, Shevin elaborate if he wants to, he being our recruiting writer. In other words, there's not going to be a retraction because we're right. We're right because the kid said it. And the kid said it more than likely because you did. That's Hugh Freeze. That's the example of Hugh Freeze that I can give you. Hugh Freeze is a frustrating person behind closed doors because Hugh Freeze was an incredibly naive, naive person who was not seasoned to the world of college football. Now, there just there there seemed to be this thing like every coach has kind of the what he'll tell people in private versus what he the the, the public coach speak thing, and I respect anybody who at least tries to not just be generic in public, but. When you take the extra step of saying, hey, look how religious I am. First of all, let's just say that last week, uh, my wife's ongoing theory that the the louder you profess how religious you are, uh, the more you have something to hide. That didn't get disproven last week. Um, That makes me a saint because the last, I would rather talk about my bowel movements than my spirituality. (laughs) And that's that's always bothered me about him. But also, I'm not Baptist. I grew up United Methodist. And this matters. Like in my yeah, I grew, I, had, up, I grew up Episcopal, so yeah, of course I, I'm, I'm, I mean I have arguments. With, I had arguments with people at Ole Miss about this for years, and arguments with people in Mississippi about this. Because for a while there, he was actually courting people that were like in the Mississippi State fan base or the LSU or Arkansas fan bases because he would do these big church speaking events and stuff. People were like, you know, I really like him. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, look, he's he's in a way weaponizing his faith for college football, and that scares the shit yeah. out of me. But then again, I'm, I don't proselytize. In fact, I, I referenced myself as a Christian when I was writing about how nauseated people like me were with his faith-based stuff. And it was the first time I've ever even said that in public as a reporter in however 17 years, whatever, I've been doing this. And so, so for a person like me who thinks that faith is a much more private family thing and not something that you necessarily – every freaking chance you get, jump on national television and wrap, you know, soak yourself in the blood of the lamb, um, it strikes me as odd. And my message has always been – we've talked about this on the show, Bill. If you equate being a college football coach with – on a moral spectrum, and so that's what Judeo-Christian sort of like – 
verbiage is going to do. So in other words, if you get out and talk about your faith and then how the faith impacts our program and all that stuff, you're setting yourself up to fail 110% of the time because every single program has a problem. Every single yeah. program, Vanderbilt, Wake Forest, or USC in Alabama, they were going to have a discipline problem. As of late in our culture, it's been horrific. It's been sexual assaults and conspiracies, child sex abuse scandals. It's been it's – been, what we consider to be run-of-the-mill now is still weapons possession, drug trafficking, terrible, terrible things, okay? So when you say we're a Christian program, we're not a Christian program, and like this infection spreads everywhere. It's so insane because when Freeze got successful off this, I remember walking into Dan Mullen's office one time to interview him at the height of Freeze's recruiting, and and Mullen has this like leather-bound copy of the Bible sitting on this coffee table where he meets with people in his office, and I'm like, this is... You got to be kidding me. Give me a break, dude. And he's doing this because he has just as much of a traditional, you know, uh, Protestant Baptist fan base, if not maybe a smidge more in Mississippi. So he's having to answer to that in a manner in which I know he's not comfortable doing. I know most of these coaches aren't. So not to get lost, but this is why Hugh Freeze didn't have a lot of friends in the media. The other reason why and why you won't necessarily hear that criticism of someone like Mullen or another coach um, you know, in the SEC, is that most coaches come off of trees. And they come off of trees like uh, Nick Saban or Urban Meyer or Pete Carroll or whatever, okay? And in the course of coming up through a tree and being a coordinator at a major institution or just being a head coach at a, at a program for three or four years in which the media comes through, like Craig Bull, right? Everyone in the nation's talked to Craig Bull now because of North Dakota State and Wyoming. If Craig Bull is a Nebraska coach one day, he just didn't show up there overnight. The trajectory of Hugh Freeze's career was basically that, you know? He was at NAIA Lambeth. I mean, everyone wants to joke, oh, he's a high school coach. Well, plenty of people are high school coaches, so that one doesn't really faze me. But he was at NAIA Lambeth. Then he goes to Arkansas State for one year, Bill, before he takes the Ole Miss job. I wrote about this on Friday morning. That's a problem. That's a huge problem. Because well, this one, not only do you not know what you don't know, you don't know the landscape, you don't know the media people, you don't know there's, – there's a huge culture that you skipped. And so when you do dumb things, you don't have natural connections with people in the media to better explain your circumstances or to better, well, hey, I actually meant this or, or hey, you know, or get the benefit of the doubt. Right, and that's the, the other part of it. Like just because you haven't experienced it doesn't mean you can't, you know, you can't kind of slowly learn. But yeah, when you come out guns blazing, uh, that's gonna that's going to very quickly highlight your inexperience. Yes, and, and that's what he did. Yeah, that's what he did, and so uh, it, it was. This is a long-winded way of saying: Were there was there a bias against Few Freeze? Probably, yeah, definitely among certain certain colleagues that I know. Does that change that Hugh Freeze did this? No. Did, does that change that he had a scummy character and that he was abrasive in all the wrong ways and 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 really, you know, put on a facade of a holy man? No. The dude sucked, man. At that in, in that regard, like. Now, the problem is, is you transpose that with the equity that a person gains, or I should say a person. What what we afford to people who become college head coaches is bizarre. The the benefit of the doubt, the the blind faith, all of that stuff. Fans do it. Even media does it. So you beat Alabama twice at Ole Miss and damn near beat them a third time? 
you're going to pretty much get at least one or two or three times people to look away. That's just how it works. That That's how it works everywhere. That's how it worked for every college coach who ever got in trouble. That's how Penn State happened. <laughs> it's that simple. I mean, that's how Penn State happened. Imagine, imagine, and I'm not saying what happened is the, is the same. It is completely different. So let me be 110% clear before this is transcribed and put on some message board somewhere. Well, the crimes are completely different. Heller's not actually a legal crime yet involving right. freeze that we know of. But what happened in Penn State was the direct result of people's faith, blind faith, in a single person who then creates an institution. The same thing happens here. That's how you end up in these situations. So, it's into- Winning is very, 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 very intoxicating. And the, once you get... Uh, you know, it's very easy to go into like addiction language here, but once you get a, uh, once you get to win, once you experience that, you want to keep experiencing yeah, it, and yeah. whether you mean to or not, that means you start looking out the other way, uh, and you start giving out a lot more mulligans, and you start explaining things away that maybe there's something here. No, no, it's probably just that whatever, um, and that's how you create a culture where something. Can happen whether it's whether it's just kind of run of the mill cheating stuff whether it's something much much worse and it does make you feel a little weird to put in Penn State here or Baylor into this group because it was but that's how they completely happen. different but that's but it's the same it's the same concept very very loose concept in that when you start to win and people love you for it that's just they start to look the other way whether they should or not well yeah. they, they shouldn't they obviously shouldn't but that's just what happens so and again because i'm going to have to clarify because i have people right now picking apart everything i say and <laughs> sids and pr reps for the ncaa and people hunt like i am not saying that oldness is like baylor penn state but what i am saying is that the culture that we create is how things happen in college football that are negative now Hugh Freeze didn't do anything he didn't cover up sexual assault X amount of times over like Art Bryles did. He didn't directly interfere with a sexual assault victim. And he sure as hell didn't allow for a coach to molest children for, like, how long? I haven't read the book yet. Was it 20, 30 years or something like that? But what I am telling you is that we, in college football, both media and fans, inadvertently or sometimes purposefully create kings and kingdoms, and that's never a good yeah. idea. And, it will, and by the way, guess what? It's never going to stop. It's never, yeah. ever going to stop. Um, no, that's the king. I like the word kingdom because that is because what also happens then is, you know, a coach shows that he can win football games. That's great. But we we have this desire and some coaches have this desire to push this, uh, that it can't just be that it means something. It means he, we're, we are we are, you know, what's the old paternal language about, you know, like molding men and, and all that. Yeah. It becomes more than just winning because winning feels so good that it has to mean more than that. And, and so we just we fill in gaps and we, we and just, yeah, it creates it creates blindness. Um, so we can't really talk about the NCAA investigation stuff yet. But trust me, when it fi- first off, when it finally does happen. I am going to – I may go on like a day or two just a good old-fashioned drunk in relief of this story being done, <laughs> Bill. And then we're going to have an epic podcast. So it's fantastic. We can go to hours. I don't care. Um, but so the one thing I wanted to pivot to before we wrap this up is the – see, I got phones exploding everywhere. Um, I don't even know where that phone's exploding. Um, we've got 
to talk about the job. And I think this is where we can really hit some good PAP and quality type analysis is, is the job itself. So now the perception is the exact same perception of what happened at Penn State and Baylor. So what do we say after Penn State? They're done. They're never going to play. They're never, they're not going to matter again. The world has ended, right? Okay. So it's the same, same situation at Might Baylor. as well have gotten the death penalty, right? Yes. Same situation at Baylor. They did not receive a single NCAA sanction, right? Nothing. Ole Miss has already self-imposed a one-year bowl ban and reduced scholarships in anticipation of what the COI is going to rule on. Baylor, multiple, multiple, a litany of sexual assaults, right? And interference with police investigations from NCAA employees, essentially, and coaches. Nothing. The Baylor's going to be fine, okay? I know the Big 12 is not the same landscape as the SEC West, but they made a good hire in Matt Rule. Now, whether I can ever trust anything Baylor does again is, uh, from an administrative standpoint is a little hard. I still feel like an idiot for sitting in Ian McCall's office. I didn't know what I didn't know at the time, but it just makes you skeptical of everyone. Um, Ole Miss is going to be fine. They're going to be Ole Miss. That's the thing. I, I, people aren't really putting it in the right context right now. This is a top 10 paying job. Let me repeat. This is a top 10 paying job. I said that on one radio hit, and then I got killed on Twitter. Do you think Ole Miss is a top 10 job, you homer? No, I don't. I think it's probably a top 35, 30 to 35 job in the country. But but they pay. That's all that matters. So first off, let me say this. Les Miles didn't meet with Ross Bjork. Les Miles hasn't met with anybody in Oxford. (laughs) Ole Miss is not interested in Les Miles. Ole Miss is not interested in whatever idiot coach you think, whatever that dude from, I don't even know what that website's called, The Big Lead. I, like, I don't know why I have to say this to y'all every year, but here's the deal. I do have to say this to y'all because I see it on, like, my Facebook, which is private, like, personal, not public. P- idiots. If you hear something and you don't consider the source, you're as dumb as they are, okay? Jason, I don't know the guy's name from Big League. I don't know him from Adam, but here's the deal. You know why I don't know him from Adam? Because he's not a college football reporter, all right? Bruce Feldman breaks something, you listen to it, okay? Andy Staples breaks something, listen to it. There's about a handful of other dudes that I would say that about. Ladies, too. Sorry. Um, it's, that's just the reality of the business. Les Miles didn't meet with anybody. So Ole Miss has an interim head coach in Matt Luke. I said on this podcast and wrote back in December, Luke enjoyed a very nice offer to go to South Carolina and work under Kurt Roper, a guy he came up with on the Cutcliffe staff. Roper's the OC over there. Muschamp wanted him. And multiple sources told me at the time Ole Miss was aggressive in retaining him. Now Luke is from Mississippi. His father played at Ole Miss. His, he's got family members who played at Ole Miss. He played at Ole Miss. His wife is from Jackson, Mississippi. But anybody who's – that whole yarn they spun at the press conference about lifelong rebel, no. They gave him a great deal, and they also told him, Matt, we need you here because we need an interim head coach just in case. Guess what? They got an interim head coach. They didn't know it was going to be for a sex scandal, but, hey, you know, at least you're prepared, right? Um, so Matt Luke's the interim head coach. They haven't broke camp yet. I think it's like a week from now. So anything that you see on the internet is just dumb because – Here's what's going to happen at Ole Miss and any single Power 5 school in this situation, Bill. You're not going to start talking to coaches right now. One, the coach that you hire hasn't hasn't coached their 2017 season yet. So you don't know if they're going 3-8 and eight or 8-3. Eight and three. Or that's 11 games. Sorry, that's a bad number, Bill. 3-9 <laughs> or 9-3. and three. Um, The candidates that have been in vogue the last couple of years for, for vacancies in the Power Five are usually younger, right? We're we're skewing younger. We're skewing towards dynamic guys who are recruiting and are engaged on social media and who have young personalities. 
just to kind of create a blanket term for people as diverse as like Willie Taggart, Matt Rule, Tom Herman. Um, so Ole Miss, accordingly, is going to look at the same situation. They're, they're, they're going to look at those people. They're going to look at how they progress in the 2017 season. This is the same. The best, the best comparison I can give is that Spurrier was out at South Carolina before October, right, when he left. They used the majority of the season to evaluate, and then they got aggressive with offers. Okay, so that's kind of how this is going to work. So there is no short list right now. There is no, they're going to target X, Y, and Z. I can give you a list right now of people I think they might talk to, but it is just that. And, and I, what I found is in doing those lists, they always backfire on the person who provides them. So I don't really want to do that, if that's okay. Um, they are going to break camp in a week, and the other reason they don't want to talk about future head coaches is that they don't know what their NCAA future is. So what are you going to sell a coach? Are you going to come in with a 15 scholarship penalty over X amount of years, or is it going to be 25? That's a huge difference. Are you going to come in with an extra year bowl ban? How many assistants can you hire? Does anyone have a show cause from the, from the departing staff? Is Shea Patterson, one of the best quarterbacks in the country, going to be there? That's the other weird thing, too, to, to loop it back around, Bill. Phil Longo and Shea Patterson, if all this stuff wasn't going on, people would be talking about this the way they're talking about what Matt Canada is going to do with the personnel at LSU and what uh, what basically Joe Moorhead has already done with the guys up at Penn State. It's going to be so weird and crazy and fun to watch. Yeah, um, Shea still obviously has a lot of proving himself to do on the field, too, but the, the, we, we saw enough at the end of last I year. Said best, I should have said there. best prospects, sorry. Yeah. You're right, best quarterback prospects. Okay. I just didn't want you to get yelled at. That's going to happen anyway. Um... I think that's it. I think that's, I mean, that, that covers the corners of what I can talk about. Um, yeah, so it's so it's a job that paid Hugh Freeze $4.5 million. They're going to entertain a lot of interest. They're, they, I know for a fact because my phone started popping off on Thursday night from agents that represent current coaches saying, hey, what's going on in Oxford? What do you think about that? So the idea that this won't garner interest is insane. And again, and I I, you, you can write me off as an alumni. That's fine. I'm just telling you, it's a it's a, it's an SEC job that pays over four million dollars a year. And the other thing here too is that uh, you know if you are going after, just think about the uh, you know you can kind of create a list on your own here. The 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 exciting young uh, coaches in the southern portion of the country who are probably yeah. going to get head coaching jobs at the end of the year. So the the Neil Brown types. I'll use type there because I, I mean whatever. Sure. But the the Neil Brown type. A has a season to coach right now. He's nobody's going to take the job this moment. They're gonna like they're gonna take it in November, December at the end of their regular season. And if if they're hassled, if there is an actual list out like Ole Miss is going to target Neil Brown, he's going to have to deal with that. That's going to hurt. Well, it's probably going to hurt Ole Miss's chances to some degree. Although money soothes that, obviously. But the other part is that, you know. The, these other schools can, in the meantime, renegotiate contracts, which they'll probably try to do anyway, I guess. But you don't want to give them motivation to increase the buyout or, or do that. Like, just let it let it sit for a little while. Yeah. Uh, among other things, let's make sure that the Neil Brown types are you know pro- continue to prove themselves. And then, yeah, you you start to really probably behind the scenes make your move in what like early November, late late October, yeah, early yeah. November. You start working behind the scenes a lot more. Usually yeah, about got, usually about November, yeah. Yeah, so you got a, a plenty of uh, of things to be working on before an actual list needs to be constructed at the, all. But the I only think yeah, the last miles. I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
Oh, I was going to say the last miles thing, it was just pure, Hey, I've got to make a list right now. Well, I can't, it, it became like just this uh, line of thinking like, well, and I can't pick any current code. So let less miles is available. And then that became, it just it got invented on the spot and, and people can't help themselves. Apparently. Um, the, uh, I forgot exactly what I was going to say. What was it? Um, like, le- yes, less miles is a total joke, but, uh, the, you're going to start around November because that's going to give you, oh, this is what I was going to say. Thank you. I just talked myself back into remembering it. So <laughs> no, because about early November, the exception of what we're talking about was Justin Fuente and Virginia Tech. Those two were like a dog whistle with each other. I, I mean, I, I asked, I asked their AD about it last year and it was just like, they had a unique situation in Frank Beamer retiring. They knew exactly the kind of person they wanted. And it was like they, I never used a dating app because I was like, I got married in 2010. So, but it was like you're 97% compatible with like the most <laughs> popular candidate at the moment. You see what I'm saying? Like, there was just, there was no, like, there was no conjecture and there was no second guessing. It was like, oh, no, we want to do this, you know? And so, both parties were like that too. Now, keep in mind, Fuente was looking at like, a, I mean, they had several schools interested in Fuente. Fuente likes everything about Virginia Tech and vice versa, and they did it. And that's just not common. More often than not, this thing gets drug out. It gets brought to, you know, people like me in the media, and it becomes a thing. And then, you know, remember Rich Rod's name was floating around in a bunch of different places, like South Carolina that year? Um, it was none of that. I mean, it was just straight up, like, we like each other. It was like high school kids getting married. It was like, we don't want to wait. Um Oh, Bill, um, is there anything else we need to touch on in the immediate future about the University of Mississippi? Uh, there are two things I'll quickly add here. Number one, you mentioned how you know the job, the job is what it is. So here's what Ole Miss is at the moment. Over the last 20 years, Ole Miss has had a winning season 13 times, been to 6, 8, 10, 12 bowl games, finished ranked 3, 6, 7 times. That is the Ole Miss job. Yeah, uh, obviously the, short, the super short term can, will be impacted by the NCAA investigation, but that will be offset by, as you said, money. And so that is the old Miss job. You're going to get paid well. You're going to have a winning record about two thirds of the time. You're not going to win the SEC West. Uh, you're going to bowl. You're going to, you know, you know, the average tenure in that time has been about like, well, well it looks like about four years on average, maybe five if things go right. That's the job. And that's a pretty decent job. You'll, you'll, you'll attract people to that job. Um, the other thing I wanted to say, I, obviously, we, we take different paths to how we, we, we form our opinions and everything and gather information. But I'm mad, I will forever be mad at Hugh Freeze for blowing this because, wow. A, A, I love the small school to big school stories. They do work sometimes. And I loved that Ole Miss hired a dude who had been at Lamb, who, who made the NAIA quarterfinals. Mm. That was his biggest, that was well, his biggest resume. Well, no, no, it's not going to, I just, I, he, th- that was point one. He, he, he had the small school to big school thing. So I kind of wanted it to work because everybody immediately assumes it won't. And so I love right. that. Right. I freaking loved watching Hugh Freeze teams play. Now, part of that is because I wasn't, I had no rooting interest. So the fact mm-hmm. that they were crazy and it went off the rails sometimes, but didn't other yeah. times, that was great. That was fine. I didn't mind. It but was I a firework, but it was also a firework with like really shoddy fuses. So occasionally yeah. they would blow up in your hands. 
so much speed and and kind of a don't give a damn aggression I always much and you know we can talk about what might happen this season too but you know just that I, I love that they had that aspect to him it was so much fun there was such a, an emphasis on speed that it kind of was the especially with their defense that's kind of the vision of where college football was going to adjust to spread offenses and they ran a spread offense in the SEC West and proved it could be done reasonably well loved that Loved, I love usurpers. I, you know, we, we always talk about how college, the sport hates usurpers and we immediately try to strike down the, the ones who don't fit. I love that there was a team signing a top 10 caliber class, multiple top 10 caliber classes, and winning 10 games and beating Alabama that wasn't a blue blood who's been good for most of the last 50 years. I loved that. And he blew all these storylines uh, by... Uh, well, by being Hugh Freeze, I guess. But st- like that's I, that that was all just set up perfectly for me to really, really enjoy writing about this team and watching this team. Uh, but he, but you know, flying close to the sun and blah blah blah. This uh, this, by the way, ended up being an hour long podcast. Of course. All right, so we're uh, we're gonna leave it on that. We'll revisit it when other stuff uh, comes to light. So, uh, man. We did a long podcast, but we've got another podcast, a surprise podcast coming on a project tomorrow. So you get your PAP in for the week. Bill, I'm going to hit the road and talk to some coaches for completely non-Ole Miss-related matters in warm weather environments. I'm pretty excited about it, to be honest. I'm going to write about Florida State football. I'm going to talk about the That's Noles. cool. It sounds good. Let's talk about the Noles next week. Let's talk about the coaches that don't involve Ole Miss, and then eventually we'll talk about more Ole Miss, and then God save us. God, 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 God save us. In honor of you, Freeze, college football's coming soon. We can actually talk about football. Bill, do you want to do this again next week? Absolutely. Roll Tide.